Good morning. Would you stand as we sing together this morning? Our God cannot be stopped. Amen. Amen. He's faithful and he is good. Sing together. Yeah. 
so glad to be here this morning. Uh, if you're a regular attender, a member here at Grace, we're glad to be gathered together as a family to worship Jesus, the Lion of Judah. He cannot be stopped. Amen. If you're a first-time guest with us, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, due to all the craziness around us, we're not passing out any Connect cards or giving you anything. Um, but if you would go to our website, connect.gbctx.org, and let us know uh, that you are here this morning, we'd love a chance to send you a note and thank you for joining us and see if there are any questions that you have about our church or about following Jesus that we can answer. We, we'd love to be of help to you as uh, you are on this journey to either learn more about God and about Jesus or becoming a part of a church here in the Brazosport area. Um, at this time, I'm going to look to the scriptures. If you'll look with me at Jeremiah 10, verse 6 and 7, and read this over us as we continue to worship. Lord, there is no one like you. You are great, and your name is great in power. Who should not fear you, King of the nations? It is what you deserve. For among all the wise people of the nations and among all their kingdoms, there is no one like you. Amen.
sisters that our God sits in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases but in our pain in our despair our God weeps with us and what's true in the light when everything seems to be going your way when everything seems to be right in the world is still true in the dark when everything seems to be falling apart we look at news headlines and we may look at our family and friends and our community and think God can it get worse we have a God who says I weep with you over this brokenness and I have sent my son to die a death that he didn't deserve in order that I can reconcile all things to myself and I'm going to make all things new What's true in the light is true in the dark, friends. Let's remember that as we continue to worship this morning. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss! The Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. sons to glory.
to grace. We are excited to be with you this morning. For those of you that I have never met, my name is Josh Dawes. Um, I have previously served on staff here and been a deacon here. My wife, Leslie, has been waddling around for the last little bit. Um, and we have a two-year-old that if he has not tackled your child yet uh, or tried to take you out, he probably will. And so I'm apologizing in advance. We are disciplining, disciplining him, whether it looks like it or not, I promise. Um, so my wife is uh, nine months pregnant. Therefore, I can say she waddles around without getting in too much trouble. And we currently do not know whether it's a boy or a girl. Uh, we're fairly confident it's a boy at this point. And we don't, because we don't have a name. So uh, with your tithes and offerings, bring your best, which is a boy's name that we can name our child because we are in need. Don't bring your second best though, please. No. Um, with that being said, we are going to open up the book of Jeremiah today. So go ahead and start turning to Jeremiah. Chad has been in the book of Haggai, and uh, we are going to take a break this week and work through a good portion of Jeremiah, which uh, sounds intimidating because Jeremiah is 52 chapters. So we are going to do a broad sweeping overview this morning. I love to be able to dig down into small passages and go word for word, but I feel as though this morning as we look at the book of Jeremiah, I want us to take a, a 30,000 foot view and, and, and see some passages there and understand the truth that's proclaimed in the book of Jeremiah as a whole. Um, it will be a little bit different. Bear with me. We're going to move pretty quick and move through quite a few passages, but I, but I hope that this morning, that because of the truths that we see in Jeremiah, that we'll be drawn closer to Jesus. And so here we go. So the book of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah was a priest and God called him to be a prophet, to come to the people of Israel um, and, and, and proclaim truth to them. And to prophesy over them. Um, Jeremiah as a whole was not very well liked. Just realistically. I think you'll see why as we read a couple passages in a few minutes. Um, just a quick reference. When you let sin go unpunished. He is holy and he is righteous. And he is set apart in a way that, that when, when sin exists he has to do something about it. We see that declared by Jeremiah to the people of Israel just over and over and over and over again. Jeremiah chapter 8. 
We're going to read 8 through 13. How can you claim we are wise? The law of the Lord is with us. In fact, the lying pen of scribes has produced falsehood. The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and snared. They have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they really have? Therefore, I will give their wives to other men, their fields to new occupants. For from the least to the greatest, everyone is making profit dishonestly. From profit to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have treated the brokenness of my dear people superficially, claiming peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they acted so detestably? They weren't at all ashamed. They can no longer feel humiliation. Therefore, they will fall among the fallen. When I punish them, they will collapse, says the Lord. I will gather them and bring them to an end. This is the Lord's declaration. There will be no grapes on the vine, no figs on the fig tree, and even the leaf will wither. Whatever I have given them will be lost. What's declared about the people of Israel here is true of us today. Our sinful, broken state is no different. We haven't generationally just come to a place where all of a sudden we get it right and we act right and we do the right things and we've just got this great heart that we can just act different than them. Realistically, our hearts are broken, sinful, and we would be guilty of all the same things if left to our own devices. That's the state of where we are. And the God of the Old Testament, prior to the book of Matthew, there wasn't just a shift and all of a sudden a breaking off and and no longer do we have a just God because, well, this is the New Testament age. No, the God of justice from the Old Testament is the same God that we claim to serve today. So, So we need to sit under the weight of the truth that God is just and we are sinful and broken and deserving of some tough things. Point number two that I believe is, is, is pretty clear and pretty obvious as we look is our God keeps his promises. When we read this statement, um, I, I think a lot of times when we hear God keeps his promises, we on our, in our heads go to um, some nice pretty promises that we really love to hear, right? I want to be honest though, God doesn't just keep those promises. He keeps the tough ones. Jeremiah chapter 39, I'm going to read 1 through 5, and then I'm going to stop. If you want to keep reading, please do. I'm not going to read it out loud because it gets pretty, uh, pretty rough, and there are a lot of little ones in the room right now. So, in the ninth year of King Zedekiah of Judah, in the tenth month, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem with his entire army and laid siege to it. In the fourth month of Zedekiah's eleventh year, on the ninth day of the month, the city was broken into. All the officials of the king of Babylon entered and sat at the middle gate. Nergal, good luck. Samgar, Nebuchadnezzar, the chief of staff, again, good luck. The chief, chief soothsayer, I kind of want to be called a soothsayer. I don't really know what they do, but I, I like that. And all the rest of the officials of Babylon's king. When King Zedekiah of Judah and all the fighting men saw them, they fled. When they left the city at night by way of the king's garden through the city gate, between the two walls, they left among the root to the Arabah. However, the Chaldean army pursued them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. They arrested him and brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon's king, at Riblah in the land of Hamath. The king passed sentence on him there. God had promised that punishment was going to come for the people of Israel and the people of Judah at the time. He's allowing that to take place now. It wasn't um, easy. 
It wasn't comfortable sounding. The, the things that we know happened is a majority of the people were killed off. The ones that weren't were stripped of everything that they had and forced to move to places that they didn't want to go and probably live miserable lives, honestly, for, the, for a majority of the rest of their life. This is heavy. But, but here's, here's, here's the deal, right? Realistically, what do we believe about what they actually deserved? Right? When, when we hear the word just or justice in our heads, we, we like point out and we say, yeah, we do need to see justice for that political party and whatever they're trying to pull. Or we do want to see justice for that system that's all kinds of... And we do want to see justice for that criminal. And we do want to see justice for the person across the room. I, this is heavy. Justice being poured out is not something that we can shout and act as if it's not a heavy thing that, that, that ought to weigh on us. Like we ought to desire to see justice come, but we also ought to understand in the midst of calling for that and, and, and proclaiming that and even fighting for that, that that's a heavy thing. And it ought to remind us of our broken state. See, realistically, what was happening to the people of Israel was what they really deserved and probably even more on top. It's not a comfortable thing to say out loud. It's not a comfortable thing to deal with or try to wrestle through in our heads because, man, this is heavy stuff. Verse 6 and 7 right there is graphic. It hurts. If you were to think that people in our day or someone was going to have to go through that, even if they were a bad person, that's hard to imagine. God is just. They were deserving. This is heavy. Here's the deal. We, we believe that God keeps his promises, even the ones that don't make us super comfortable. Even the ones that are hard to hear, hard to even read. I know I have been as guilty as probably everybody in the room, but when I get to a passage like this, I just want to read past it and try to find the 2911s. Don't get me wrong. We ought to look to the 2911s of this book and rejoice and love it and be excited and be fired up about what is declared there. But I, I think we need to sit under the weight of the chapter 39s at times. We have to believe about God what he declares about himself in his word, even when it makes us squirm in our seat a little bit. God keeps his promises. I want us to uh, flip over to Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 is where we're going to start. You see, because I said as we started that out of the 52 books, about 48 of them are what we've been talking about. We do have a few chapters in here that break the mold a little bit. So I want us to read part of this, knowing that this is a promise that was declared by God through Jeremiah. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. Well, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
No longer will one say to his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Man, these are the ones I like to read. I love to hear my sin is forgiven, right? That's like a beautiful thing that, that, that feels like the weight of the world has been lifted off, and it should. But when we read a passage like that, I actually think this ought to be a little tough to reconcile just to read by itself. The people here in Jeremiah, when they heard this, if they were being honest about what they had already heard Jeremiah say, there's pieces missing. They saw this dimly. There there was something going on here because if what we've already said about who God is and who we are, so if if we believe that we are sinful and broken and enemies of God, if we believe that and we believe that our God is a just God, then there's something missing. Right? Because forgiveness can't just come all by itself. That doesn't work. Justice has to be served, right? We know that there's something missing. Even in our day and time, when we see injustices happen, what do we say? Something's not right. Justice has got to be served. We know that there's something missing. God's saying that I will forgive their sins and not remember their iniquities any longer is incomplete. Jeremiah is giving us a glimpse into something more than just our sins being forgiven. They saw dimly through this prophecy and so many others that were promised in the Old Testament and before Christ. Really, verse 34 all by itself falls short. It's not enough. It's a declaration of something that's to come, but man, it doesn't, it doesn't paint the whole picture. The beautiful thing is what we know now. We know now that there is more to this story. We know now that Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He loved the people that he came in contact with. He, he, he taught, he preached, he declared things. He was ignored, he was pushed to the side, he was used and abused, he was treated as a criminal, he was told to quieten down, stop bringing up these, these crazy concepts and ideas, and ultimately he was captured, he was take on the weight of your sin, and, and you can be given the righteousness of Jesus. And so my prayer and hope for you is that God would move your heart and that you would repent and believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. Believer in the room. Here's what I want to wrestle through is two things. And again, I want this to spill over into life groups and I want you to have conversation. First off, you are sinful. You're in desperate need of Jesus. Does your pride and arrogance get in the way of that being declared to everyone else around you? Because here's the deal. When I walk around in pride and arrogance in the way that I talk to my wife or in the way that I talk to my son or in the way that I talk to my coworkers, as if I have got it all together and everything that I do is just better than you, does that declare that I'm in desperate need of Jesus and his righteousness? 
What areas of your life are, are, are you prideful and arrogant? What areas of your life do you need to be hit with a dose of humility remembering that your only hope is in Christ? Second thing. Chapter 31, actually just a little bit up in verse 21. I'm going to read this for us real quick. Set up road markers for yourself. Establish signposts. Keep the highway in mind. The way you have traveled. Return, virgin Israel. Return to these cities of yours. What we see in the Old Testament, and we see it again portrayed out in the New Testament, is this truth about who Christ is to us, being our truly, our, our only hope, and declaring these truths about God. We see God call the people of Israel in the Old Testament, and then he gives us ways to do it in the New Testament, to, to set up road markers and signposts in our life to remind us of those truths. Because here's the deal. I'm fully aware that there's probably a lot of people that walked in here today feeling a little different down already <laughs> right and I probably didn't help I'm sorry <laughs> I, I get that I, I feel you a lot of days the, the truth declared about who Jesus is is what we have to find our hope in but I'm going to be honest with you if the only time that you've heard that declared is for the last 10 minutes you're going to feel pretty heavy the rest of this week this is not something that's just going to happen and you're just all of a sudden just rejoice all day because you heard it once a week. God gives us this de- declaration that we ought to set up signposts and road markers in our life. We ought to be actively and practically declaring that truth to ourselves and having people declare it to us. Right? So, so what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, what we see are things like the Passover. They would do this ritualistic meal for what sake? So that they would be reminded of the goodness of God and what he had done for them. We, we see things like in Haggai that, that, that Chad was talking through last week. They were in the middle of the festival of booths. Again, it was, a, it was a time where they would do specific things to remind them of who their God was and how awesome he had been to them. We see the tabernacle. That was a place that was supposed to bring them to a point of awe for the God of the universe. They were supposed to be brought to a humble state before God. In the New Testament, we see things like the communion. We come and we, we, we take the, the bread and the grape juice, right? And we take those things, not for the sake of like a mid-morning snack. No, we do that to remind us of the blood and the body of Jesus, And so here's my question. What are the tangible, practical things you're doing throughout your week to remind yourself of your desperate need for Jesus and to find your hope in Jesus and not in all the other things of this world that you can try? Are you you reading Scripture regularly? Are you doing things like getting in a life group so that you can be encouraged and wrestle through hard things with one another and be reminded of the hope that Jesus brings? And, and when you're there, are, are you vulnerable enough to actually talk about that? What are the signposts, the road markers in your life that you have put in place so that you would protect yourself and put you in a place where you would be in a posture of repentance toward Jesus all week, all month, all year, for the rest of your life? I'm going to pray. The band is going to come back up. I'm going to go stand over there. If anybody wants to talk, wrestle through any of this. If you're an unbeliever in the room and you've got questions, I would love to talk. There are elders here that would love to talk. There are deacons here that would love to talk. 
and wrestle through some of the tough things, but honestly, the place that we believe is the place that we find our hope. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. Lord, knowing that that you are a just God, knowing that we are sinful and broken, knowing that, Lord, we... We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't uh, bring anything to the table, Lord. That we're enemies of God. Lord, we know that you keep your promises, but Lord, we know that you made a promise to make a way to bring forgiveness of sins. And so, Lord, we rejoice in the fact that Jesus came. He died on the cross, took on the punishment for our sins, gave us His righteousness for those who would repent and believe in His name. Lord, we rejoice in that this morning. We put our hope in that, not in any of the other things that are going on around us. Lord, I pray that we would find ways to rejoice in that all week. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.